Let's begin. Uh, Psalms 20. Psalms 20, may the Lord answer you when you are in trouble. May the God of Jacob make you secure. May he send you help from his temple. From Zion may he give you support. May he take notice of your offerings. May he accept your burnt offerings. I pray this morning that every heart's desire that's within this tabernacle and outside of this tabernacle will be fulfilled. May he bring all the plans that he's put in you to pass so that you and us and all of us together will shout for joy because the victory you have secured, the victory that you have right now. And we will rejoice now in the name of our God. May the Lord grant all the requests that you request of him. Now I am sure that the Lord will deliver his chosen king. He will intervene for him. Lord, you intervene out of the holy heavenly temple. You display your mighty ability to deliver. Some have trusted in chariots and others in horses. But we say corporately this morning that we depend and trust on the name of the Lord our God. They'll fall down, but we stand firm. Lord, bring your deliverance for the king and answer us in our time of help. Amen. Maker of the 
this day with a song of praise. And with grateful hearts we celebrate. We start this day with a song of praise. And with grateful hearts we celebrate.
Hey, I just wanted to share a story. Is this, can you hear me? About um, this joy thing. So, Friday, is it Friday? Yeah, Friday uh, morning, I was out in downtown Nashville uh, getting ready for a um, thing we do there on the streets that evening. And I was there with the prayer meeting that I was hosting, um, but there was this huge like influx of people that were coming in the morning to get ready for what's called Goombay uh, Friday evening. So I'm like, huh, this is going to change our plans, you know, because we won't even have the, the area. So there's all these cool divine appointments that happen, but I'm going to share one of them. And what it was, was instead of like feeling like, okay, we just got to cancel or we got to go somewhere else or whatever, I'm like, I think I'm supposed to enter in to this African cultural festival that was put on by the YMI. So anyway, the way I entered in was I went to one of the tents and I just said, is there any way we can pray for the festival? You know, we're having a prayer meeting this morning. And there's a guy there from Gumbai, the Gumbai, which is a country that looks like a river in Africa. This is all about Africa, this festival. And his name's JJ. So it was just short of Joy Joy. So sometimes we have to enter the JJ before the Joy Joy. So JJ asked me to help him find his friend who was doing the Ghana tent. So there's all these different items that they were selling, like you know, cultural festival, clothing and all this, who broke down. So her car had broke down. He says, well, can you help me? Because I can't get my phone to work. So I was trying to show him directions on how to get to his person that had a broken down car. Well, we couldn't get it to work, so I just jumped in with JJ. So JJ took me to his friend. His friend's name was Rejoice. Rejoice had this bright yellow dress on from Ghana that was like beaming. So here she is in the middle of a broken down situation. Here I enter into that with JJ, go to Rejoice, and then I bring Rejoice to the festival. So, of course, you're getting this, but what really resonates with me is this. We, when we try to rejoice out of our own hearts, it just becomes a JJ. But when we actually enter into the delight of the Lord, He brings the rejoice. Because He... he can everybody hear this? Because... We rejoice because we enter into the joy that he has over us. Even when we're totally broken down, he joys over us. He rejoices over us. chapter 4 verse 4 rejoice in the Lord always and then why would he say this again I say rejoice 
And what, I didn't know this, but in the context of this, he says, let everyone see your gentleness. Remember last week in the message, David said in Psalms 18, verse 35, he said, I found out that what made me great was your condescension and your gentleness. And so there's a revelation here before us. Let everyone see your gentleness. The Lord is near. Jesus will say, repent and believe the gospel. What? The kingdom of heaven is at? The kingdom of heaven is at hand. And so what Jeff is sharing with us is rejoicing. And again, I say rejoice. As the avenue of gentleness and the Lord is near. You see it? How do I access the kingdom? Come into his gates. What? Praise and thanksgiving. The kingdom of heaven is near. The kingdom of heaven is right here. What can it feel like? I heard the Lord say to me this morning, it feels like oblivion. Think about this. That we come out of oblivion. And oblivion, I looked it up, is like this sense of not knowing. Like I, I feel like I'm up high and dry in the air. Anybody know what that feels like? I don't really know where I'm at, what's happening right now, how to stabilize myself. According to the text this morning, coming out of a, into an environment of unknowing, un- oblivion, rejoice again, I say, rejoice, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand or near. And so now you can feel destabilized because of your dependence upon him, oblivion. Say, I don't know which ends up, which way to go. I don't know. I feel like I had my mode set in this one direction, but I would suggest to you that God is in an omnidirectional mode. He's not one directional, every cardinal direction. So you saying, like, Lord, help me to stabilize. And then the word comes. I know I have a good father, and I rejoice in you, Lord. I rejoice in you now. Where do I stand? I may not know at this point because I've come out of a place maybe not knowing. But wait, the Lord wanted this for me. He wanted me not to know. He wanted to be in charge of my very being and my substance. And I'm going to embrace that right now. And in that way, I'm going to begin to say, I praise you, Lord. I'm not being drugged down or um, pressed down because my Father delights in me and loves me and rejoices over me. And we can say this morning about the Lord that His banner over us is love. It's waving through and flag waving over our lives right now. I can look up into the heavens and know, you got me. You've got my family. You've got my extended family. 
you've got this. And what am I going to do? Rejoice again. Rejoice again, I say rejoice. For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's near. It's right here on us to access for inheritance. The inheritance of the Lord. I'm a kingdom accessor. Because you have fulfilled it all. You fulfilled the law. You're the prophetic revelation, Jesus. You're the fulfillment of the whole law. And I have found my way in you. Bubbling up in my soul. There's a well that you have done. Cinder and smoke of a blaze where your feet had once set down. Oh, ancient of days, and walk again in the garden of my soul. Come, ancient of days. Our nakedness and fear of man cannot hide from your voice split like a veil the heavens lay your head down here with us bring us unto your threshing floor where it's you Oh. 
like the moon Wave after wave upon my shores Trample in dust Cut away in all the ways Not of you, oh Judah's lion And sound your roar Shake the marrow of our bones Come ancient of days And it's all for It's all in you, all we are, all we are, pour out your praise and spend it all in his presence, he will respond, no, he wants to live within us. Love is reaching and our praise 
so I need to share this with you because I really feel impressed with the word to say this. Keep saying this to me and I'll try to do the best I can with it. He said to me, you have a reserve and I'm wanting to feel beyond the reserve that you have. Maybe we could say it another way, that we run up against a reservation, a place where we hold ourselves reserved. We reserve something. And, and we know that the Lord is infinite. And so there is no reservation. And he keeps saying this to me over and over. I want to go beyond y'all's reserve. So you may, in this next way we're going, you may feel a little bit of stretching. Um, it's okay. What, we, what he told me to do, and he's told me this before, just take a deep breath. Just breathe in. Even in the lungs, there's a, there's a reserve. Uh, even within... Um, I ran out of gas recently in our new vehicle and I had to go look up the reserve tank amount because I thought, well, maybe it's different than the previous iteration of the vehicle we had. It has a four-gallon reserve, but I ran it out faster and it didn't last me as long as the previous vehicle had. You know, what's interesting is the Lord met me right there through a kind gift of Tom McManus because I didn't know how I was going to make it because... Every time you run up against your reserve and you don't know what you're going to do, he's the fulfillment or fulfill you when you've been maxed out. Psalms chapter 4 verse 1 says, And in my distress he enlarged me. So what is the Lord doing right now? Right now in this worship set, I'm going to stretch your reserve. I'm going to open you up to a capacity that you've never walked in before, right now. And all we've got to do is just trust, trust, and just allow the stretching of the Lord to come to our very consciousness. He's going to bend beyond our limitations, limitations that we've already pressed into with him. But we, we must be stretched. He's like, I want to stretch you. Now the new wine is coming from the song of the Lord to feel and stretch this wineskin. And this new wineskin will not burst. I'm being pressed out on every side. I'm being pushed by my adversity and my problems. It seems like it's coming around me. Why? Because I want to stretch you and make you something new something you've never been before breathe breathe says lord just take me in stretch us for birthing lord take us past our limitations unlimited god press us out lord he's been doing this he wants this for you. Stretch us, God, and open us to behold you in a whole new capacity. And let the Lord fill you anew. Fill us. 
minister to your heart right now. Transfers of trust. He may be dealing with issues. He tells me I'm dealing with issues that deal with forgiving and giving. He's talking to me about Mary of Bethany, who pours out everything on his feet. She just gives out everything that she has. How are you going to refill that? How are you going to take care of that economic unload? What about this person who did me wrong? What about how this hurt me in my past? How am I going to deal with that? It's, it set you at a place of reserve. Let the Holy Spirit minister to you now. And go ahead and open you up. And he may be particularly speaking about a very different aspect for each one of us. But while he deals with that, let him come into your trust barrier where you have maybe a block or something he wants to come in and just heal and he would just say you know just trust me i got this how are we going to make it to the next thing trust me what about what they did to me trust me just forgive and give just let it go don't hold on to anything just let me have everything and you just let him have you on the podcast out in other nations now minister to their hearts even out what they're going through Lord some of us have held ourselves in a place of liability here we, we hold a responsibility we placed ourselves in that place of where it said just let me have you I got you I'm going to take care of you Let him minister to your heart. It's okay. We can take time. I've really been wanting to see this relationship restored, and it's been causing me a lot of problems. It's been really difficult for me, and I don't know how to handle it. I'm not getting the response that I want. I'm trying. I keep going out on a limb, and it's not working. It's backfiring. Let me feel you there, says the Lord. Let me trust me. I can heal this broken relationship. I can make it better. I can make everything new. I need healing this morning. My heart's broken. My body's broken. I need healing. Trust me. I'm unsure about my future. I don't know what to do. I don't know how we're going to make it. Trust me.
that faith without works is dead. So that if I transfer my trust over now, ask the Lord for an action step because he will always provide an action with a transfer of trust. He'll say, trust me, and then there'll be an action that he wants you to take. And you'll step out in that action. And in that, in that step out, in, in that movement of faith, when you make that movement in an action, he'll be with you in it. And he'll walk with you in that action step. take courage and come in agreement with him because this action that you may need to take may be outside of this event right now it could be in this event a lot of these actions are outside of this event it'll take courage for you to move out with courage to trust him and just come into an agreement with him in the courageous act that he wants you to take. sometimes even like the rain today and a storm surrounding you because you don't know what the outcome will be but listen it, we're not responsible for the outcome we're just responsible to trust and take the act take the leap take the leap of faith and trust rejoice again I say rejoice the reason why he was saying that the reason why he said that because he knew that any action that God called for us to do any trust that he was asking us to implement and act on he knew that if he moved on it that Lord was going to come through he, he could rejoice because he became accustomed to the Father moving Maybe not according to his own preconceived idea. But he knew the Lord was going to act on his behalf. He could say, I'm rejoicing.
good. You're, you've done it. You've made an agreement. Now stand on that agreement and don't back down off of it. come to the edge of my reserve I always thought that my intellectual curiosity would be stimulated and that emotionally I would be fed and I'm going to tell you there always comes a this sense of dryness where nothing is going to be stimulated apart from the word of the Lord that stands I've found this so many times pushed out to the very edge. And then I make the movement of faith. And I say I transfer my trust because I believe your promises. And I'm not going to deviate off of what you've said, Lord. And as that emotion and that intellectual curiosity dries out, and you stand and I stand on the very word of the Lord, It's like you move across this barrier and you know that you know that you know that you have sustained victory and I know with you right now that the Lord has a victory with you and you can hear it in the song that changes there's this great sense of rest and peace in God. We've come through. The victorious ones because of the victorious one forever.
You're a Hebrew. You're the ones who cross over. And through the barrier reef, I cross. Breakthrough is upon us. heavens Sometimes we're lost. 
the Lord says, believe what the King has promised now. Open your eyes and your mouth. Open your hearts. Oh, don't wait to see. Believe, 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 believe. Oh, believe, believe, believe. Oh, 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 oh. oh. you're not going to understand things he asks you to do oh they will seem like foolishness to your mind foolishness to your heart oh you're not gonna understand what he's asked you to do what he's asked you to do but the walls of Jericho stand until you obey and trust what he asked you to do oh, you're not gonna understand what he asked you to do It's not by battering rams or arrows or spears or swords. It's not by domination. It's not by what we think we know, what we think we claim. Oh, it's by releasing the faith and the belief that he said it and it will work. His promises are true. Living by every word that proceedeth, the word of God that comes.
after the Decalogue, right, you know this, the Ten Commandments were delivered to Israel. It just took me to this. I didn't even know it said this. Exodus chapter 20, verse 18, all the people were seeing the thundering and the lightning, and they heard the sound of the horn, and they saw the mountain smoking. And when the people saw it, they trembled with fear and kept their distance. And they said to Moses, you speak to us, we will listen, but do not let God speak with us, lest we die. And Moses said to the people, do not fear. For God has come to test you. That the fear of him may go up may be before you so that you do not sin. When the Lord starts to bring the fear of the Lord into our midst, and when it happened in Israel's day, they can feel the shakedown, and so do we. But he says, don't fear the Lord in that way. Don't, don't run from him. And I'm going to tell you in this last hour, he said this to me. I will not have a company of just Moseses. I will have a whole people that will run into the thick darkness where I am. God goes to Moses, he says, I'm going to kill them all, and I'll start over with you. <laughs> and Moses pleads and says, please don't do this. They're righteous, Lord. They're good people. They're just struggling. I've struggled. He said, your fear has come upon us. But we must not misinterpret our affliction. He was to drive us deeper into him because he knows what we are. And we've seen the thunder and the lightning today. Remember back when we were at the YMI and the Lord, he had said even there and then earlier, five years before that at the fire department, he comes and appears to me with a candle lit with a light and he's come into the cave. The darkest experience in my entire life. While he liberates my consciousness from sin, I began to hold a light. Behold a light. It was piercing through the darkness and it hit my soul. And I knew there was light. I knew there was light on the other side of that darkness. And I knew that if you were pinned down and afflicted on every side, if you would just say, I'm coming after you like Moses did we were driving here this morning I said oh it's the perfect setup that the rains would come it reminds me so much of the glory cloud the same cloud that came down during the days of Solomon the same cloud James would talk about we misinterpret the cloud we run from the cloud instead of running into the cloud where God is this is our opportunity. This is the word of the Lord. 
And that's the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord that sees everything from every objective proof, that sees it outside of time, has come to us. Even now, do you believe it? Even in this pavilion in the middle of Mills River. And out of the darkness, we see light. Lord, we embrace your, the fear of the Lord. I embrace the fact that you see everything that I think and do in my private life. And I want your purity in my life. I want your holiness to strike through the consciousness of the sin in my life. I want it out. I want everything that hinders love to be taken from me. Well, here he comes. Answering our dilemma and our plea. And I say, like Moses said, I'm not keeping my distance from you. I don't want to be distant from you. Uncreated God. I've come to know one that's worthy of all my praise. He's fed me. He's the one my soul longs for. He's the one I take delight in. I love you, Lord. And I'll give you a shout. I magnify you, Lord. I magnify the Lord. And come and magnify the Lord with me. Blessed are you, King. Blessed are you, Lord. Stand with me. And give praise to him. Stand up. Stand up. And give praise to the Lord. Honor the king. Honor the one. Praise you, Lord. Worship the Lord. I'm not throwing back. Worthy are you, Lord. Worthy are you, Lord. Praise, praise belongs to you. Praise, praise belongs to you, Lord. Sakriya kriya mawa yena. Yeah. 
steps on my altar so that your nakedness will be exposed. you are not of those who draw back.
like keeps telling me to share this and it seems sort of um, juvenile, is that the word? Um, and also, I feel like every time I talk, my um, stories have to do with animals and I'm like, what am I like, do the animals speak to me or something? So uh, anyways, I'm just going to share it and um, maybe... I, maybe that's part of going, you know, just trusting the Lord in the darkness because I don't really know why. But anyways, I had this dream last night. I was telling Carol and um, in the dream, we were like on this. It was our family, just me and Carol and the kids. And we were on this. I want to say it was kind of like a like a river boat. You know how like those little cruise boats or whatever that they usually take you on tours where they're open, they're not closed, like the windows are open. And um, we're going to do this little river cruise. And <laughs> I had told Carol that, okay, I had had a dream a week or two ago and I told Tammy about this too, but um, we were on this boat. We, oh, we were on a yacht and um, our whole family and Carol was driving it. So I'll tell you this one first. No, and yeah, I was good. <laughs> I'll do it in step, but um, anyways, the he was driving it, and and I was like, babe, you are going way too fast. You don't know how to drive a yacht, you know? <laughs> like, and he was like in and out of these, like I was like, but you don't know what you're doing. You don't know how to drive a yacht, you know? And he's and I was like, okay, whatever. Just he's like, I've got it, I've got it, Kara, you know? And then all of a sudden, the yacht stop starts like flipping. Like, we're inside of it, but it's like, it's like, and I'm like, okay, whatever, we're going to die, and, um, and, and then it just stops, and everybody's okay, and I was like, and for some reason, I say, oh, I want to go upstairs and see, upstairs, because I haven't seen upstairs or whatever, and, um, I go up there, and our whole church is there, like, the whole church is on the yacht, so I'm like, oh, well, what's everybody doing here, but, okay, so that's just a side dream, but. Last night, I had this other dream, and um, so we're on a river cruise, and so I'm thinking in my head, I hope this is not like the yacht trip, you know, <laughs> like, I hope this is a little better than the yacht trip, you know, so I'm feeling this, like, feeling inside of me, like, I hope this guy knows how to drive, and, and he, like, doesn't flip the boat, like, you know, and I'm, he's speeding up, and, and, like, all of a sudden, there's all these, like, I guess marine life or whatever in the water, like, and I'm seeing, like, alligators, and it's, so it's supposed to be, like, a tour, and you can see, like, alligators, and there's all these animals, like, and I, even up ahead, I see, like, a, I guess it's an anaconda, because it's making, like, and I'm like, oh, I don't want to get close to that, and thankfully, it stops, because I'm like, okay, I'm relieved when it stops, because I was like, it's, you know, we're not going to flip, we're stopped, we're back to drive, we're okay, and I go to get off of it, and all the kids get off, and then I go to get off of it, and um, it's like it doesn't have, like, you know how sometimes when you have to get off of boats, there's, like, the shakiness because you got to step up to something or whatever because it's the in-between, and I look down, <laughs> and of course, there's like this giant fish, and, and Carol's already got off, and he's going to help me step over, but you kind of got to like step over the water, and there's this giant fish, and like I'm watching it, so I'm, I'm waiting to see what he's going to do, and <laughs> he just makes, I don't know why this makes sense, but anyways, I'm going to get to something, um, and then he, 
the fish like jumps up and he's like, I knew he was gonna get me. <laughs> like I knew he was gonna try to get me. So I was like, I knew you were gonna do that to the fish. And um, and then Carol, um, he takes a rock and he lays it over the fish or whatever. And then I see like a stingray and there's like a manatee in the water and it's like holding the fish down so I can step over and I get off the boat. Oh, but while we're on the boat, while we're on, so I do get off safely, we all do, but um, while we're on it, I keep, um, Carol says something like, on the boat, he sees an island, he's like, oh, look, it's a Sebastian turtle, like that, and the guy that's like the announcer on the boat is like, who said Sebastian turtle? Like that, and um, Carol, I don't know that Carol acknowledged that he said it, but he like recognized that it was a Sebastian turtle, and it looked like a big sea turtle. So this morning, first thing when I woke up, I'm like, I'm gonna look up Sebastian turtle and just see if there's something to Sebastian turtle. And um, the only thing I found was that there's a Sebastian inlet in Florida, and it has a um, a sea turtle. It's like a sea turtle nesting preserve or whatever, and. Um, and so that, that's like, I've been trying to sit back there trying to figure out like, Lord, why, why do you want me to share this? You know, but all I can see is like this picture of these baby turtles, because the one thing we know about, well, I know a couple things about sea turtles. You don't leave holes on the beach when you dig because they fall into them with like the large ones. They can get caught in them when they're trying to make it to the nest. But I just kept seeing these like baby turtles going back to shore and, um, you know what they tell you about very little I know about sea turtles um, is you don't want to interrupt the, the um, trek back to shore with the sea turtle. You don't want to touch it or anything because I've always heard that um, part of their strength for swimming comes in their trek back. Like they build their muscles back when they're going back across the um Sure, but anyway, so I'm just like, well, Lord, maybe it's just that, like, you know, sometimes that trek back, you know, you can't, a baby, when we think, I was thinking about Carol Sr., and, you know, he wasn't touched as an infant back, as a, he was born premature, so he couldn't be touched for, like, a certain amount of time with human hands, you know, and you, eight weeks, and then it's like, well, a baby sea turtle, they can't be touched, but, I don't know what it is, but anyways, I, you know, so it's just like, but then I kept hearing this thing. It was like, Lord, the Lord saying, or the one um, statistic is that like one out of every, um, I don't know. I don't have my phone. Most sea turtles always make their way home. And that's always, they can always, there's like magnetic lines. They, they think that they, um, trace the magnetic lines in the earth to, and they always find their way home so that's all I have um the, they can they can always find their way home you know and so even though it's like they can't be touched and they're alone and that trek back you know to the water they can always find their way back home so maybe that's for something or someone I don't know like maybe it's for me alone but I just thought I'd share it because I'm the, I feel like the Lord just kept prompting me to share it. So, Well, um, one thing stuck out to me when she was saying that, and maybe you have other things, but Sebastian means venerable. 
uh, Sebastian. The Sebastian type turtle means venerable. You know this word? It's a word that's generally speaking ascribed to the genteel or the um, royal, to be venerable. Um, it, it, and when she was telling me this morning that, I thought, because down, down on the east uh, coast of Florida, there is this inlet that's in between like a, a river slash inlet that goes out to the sea. And of course, you know, my mind will go to Psalms 89, 25. He'll set his hand on the river and he'll set his other hand on the sea. Um, and so there's a, seems like there may be also the picture that of like ministry in the sense of a vehicle. talking our debrief this week and last week in the meeting it was we could feel like a um, sort of like 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 a sense of where there could be like a sense of lethargy and and Kara may be getting at something in this that um, we can feel sometimes lethargic, but what she may be getting at is uh, we're being we're being newborn in a in a sense with a new system or a new because Jesus is saying, uh, "Behold, I declare, write this down. All things are new." Um, Austin and I was talking about this as well. That in a sense, like the baby sea turtles, we're trying to find how to work with this new. Maybe it's so new to us and we don't know how we're going to get home because even the muscular system in the baby turtle is brand new. But when the Lord's bringing a royal family or a, a venerable people to himself, I think was, he's going to bring us home. And there's, there was some fear for her about stepping across. Um, in the previous yacht story, there's this tumbling going on. You feel disoriented. Um, you're receiving you're receiving the new and it can kind of contradict with the old like where I've been is not going to carry me where I'm headed and I'm receiving that and there's this exercising that I think um, it was spoke of in Hebrew the exercising of the senses uh, to discern How does this new person, Christ, in you act? Now, we've been raised in a certain way. Our raising told us to be a certain way. Our environments told us we act a certain way. And then Jesus is like putting mud in someone's eye to heal them. He's cursing fig trees. And he's, he's quintessential man, and he acts kind of strange. And he's called the desire of the nations, but he does some odd things that that a human being we haven't typically seen do. 
He doesn't seem to be socially adept to his culture because they're saying things about him that are so odd and off. And he's having, you know, and maybe us when we're receiving the new. Well, how does this new act? I, how do you get, I mean, and is it like baby steps, like the baby turtle? It's trying to come home, uh, trying to go back where it belongs. And we're exercising something we've never known before. And maybe we have, maybe we've known little pieces of this, but I know for me lately, as this message has been penetrating, who is this? Who are you, Lord? I'm waking up. I'm like, I never felt so good in my entire born life. Like everything's fresh. Everything is like hopeful. Everything is brand new. I'm bringing you into complete freedom. I got your inheritance wrapped up. It's all done. I finished it all. Rest and relax in me. And now, I, you know, I believe this song Stephen's been singing about Jericho. The Lord's drawing us up into the light. He's saying, hey, little Sebastian Turtles, come on. You know, like, don't be afraid. Oh, Sebastian's in the never-ending story. Did you put that together? That's right. Oh, my goodness. If you get a chance, watch the never-ending story this week. We had a big... Pete Lineker and Stephen thing, uh, thing with that. Um, that's a very interesting movie related to what we're discussing this morning. Kelly, you have a word? Yeah, well, hey, move on it. Uh, but you'll need to come up here. This is being recorded for generations. <laughs> well, I grew up in Florida, and I was on a uh, rescue sea turtle team in high school. And I was just hearing, when I was hearing Kara talk about that, that it's interesting, sea turtles are only born at night in the darkness. They are only born at night in the darkness because it's safer for them. They, if they are those, they're like little tiny nibbles of food for anything out there. And um, so in the shroud of darkness, they come out and then it's usually at the full moon. So they follow the moon to the water. That's what gets, because they see the light on the waves of the water. And um, So when you grow up in this environment, the big thing is on the beaches, you turn the lights off during the season because all those lesser lights are distractions. And I feel like God's like, walking in the darkness is our safety. That word, you know, coming out about being, walking into God's darkness is actually a safety for us and not to be distracted by lesser lights. Even the good lesser lights. Lights are good, but not to be the distraction so that, um, and I know this is daunting, but I think it's something like one or two turtles out of a hundred make it. It's not a very, that's why those sea turtle nests are like, okay. That's why sea turtle nests are, they, I think there's a hundred, I mean, there's so many because the, the path is so difficult for them to make it. And once they get to sea, it's kind of safe. And then they get out to the sarcophagus, which is like a, a green seaweed. That's where they're really safe. But 
Uh, I just felt like the walking in darkness was something God was highlighting with me with the with turtles being born at the beginning of their life. They come out at night, so I just wanted to share that. Stephen, he's been sharing this with me. He probably, I, I think every debrief we have during the week, I think you bring it up. You might bring it up once a week, which is great. But tell them what you've been, um, that revelation that you've had. So a couple weeks ago, or a month, maybe a couple months ago, um, I think you brought it up, Carol, in a in a in an event, and it was I don't even remember where it was. I'll find it. Go ahead. Anyway, it said the sun will no longer be your light by day, and the moon will no longer be your light by night, for I will be your light. And the minute he said it, something about it kind of like sank inside of me, and I was like, okay, there's so much more for me. And every day, it seems like, and every week, oh, Isaiah 60. Well, that makes sense. Isaiah. Let's see. The sun will no more be your light by day, nor will the brightness of the moon shine on you. For the Lord will be your everlasting light, and your God will be your glory. And for me, what it's been doing over the months is it's been um, trying to think how to, our only understanding of light even when we think about the light of the Lord, our only understanding comes from what we think about the sun. We understand that the sun gives light to the earth. We understand that when the sun is on the other side of the earth, we have darkness and then there's the moon. All of these understandings of light and darkness we take from science and from observation of the sun and the moon. But yet God is saying, there will come a day when the sun will no longer be your light. Well, you won't define light by the sun. You're going to define light by me and my word. The moon will no longer be your light in a dark place. I will be the light in a dark place. These are just shadows of who I am in, in reality. So it's, it's, it's actually been forcing me so many times in my life when I come up against something or I... I read something in the Bible or something happens, somebody says something, any of these things, it comes up because it's this whole counter argument. Like science never proves what God says. Science just opens up to the non-believer what God says. Because it's what God says. That's how it is, no matter what. That's the light. God said, let there be light. And then a couple of days later, he creates the sun. He didn't create the sun in order to be light. I don't know if that's making sense. Maybe that helps a little bit better. But. Awesome. And there. I was trying to debate whether I wanted to talk to Carol and Kara afterwards about this. Um, I already whispered it to Tom McManus. But I'm a little sea turtle. And the first time the fear of the Lord ever fell on me was in Sebastian Inlet. And I was there watching the turtles. that crazy the lord had given me like a security in him like as a as my savior but i hadn't really come into a place of repentance yet where i actually um james talks about turn your laughter to mourning and like cry like for the first time in my life 
I was given repentance that was like, oh my goodness, I really hurt God. Like there, I, I was hurt over the relationship that I had with him, that I was, I was hurting his heart. And I'll never forget it. I was reading Jonathan Edwards actually on Sebastian Inlet. And I first began to experience those tears of love in a relationship with God. So I thought I ought to share my little sea turtle story. <laughs> Kelly, that was amazing information. Like Kelly is such a, she like has all, she has all that I know, right? How does she know all that? <laughs> What's that? Drew is drawing a turtle before they mention turtle. Okay, so Drew, Drew, it's a confirming sign. Like Jess said, we've had a confirming sign. Joe Palasak, you're modeling? Oh, oh, wow. Turn around and show everybody. He's got Top Cell Island with a turtle on his shirt this morning. What do we learn from this, Kara? Come out of your shell. <laughs> and Kelly rescued her turtle. Now I tell you now, we're in it together. Anybody else? Yeah. Well, now. The uh, interesting thing about the prophetic, you just never know. We didn't wake up any of us this morning, except Kara, maybe thinking, we're going to be into a turtle discussion today <laughs> with the Lord. Amen. No, that's right. Uh, Jeff just said that America was called Turtle Island by the Native American before I just saw that this last week. Come up here real quick. You have a little one with He's got a little one too. <laughs> yeah, this is just short, but I, I think it's kind of interesting hearing all this. Um, this week, uh, my friend who's a pastor... Uh, him and his wife were out at the beach, and they were watching the little turtles uh, go out go out to sea. I guess, and they're like, "This is the most beautiful experience we've ever, you know, we ever had. This is like one of the most memorable experiences ever." But um, I just thought that was interesting. That so I guess it's kind of happening around now uh, on the shore, um, and also that they're pastors. So maybe it's even. Ex- extends beyond, you know, just our, our group right here. So that's it. Thank you. Uh, yes, ma'am. So I was reminded, um, when Kara was talking about the, um, the boat doing the, the flips, um, years ago, I was attending uh, a training for the healing rooms at Mountain Vintage, and after the first meeting, um, that night I had a dream, and the next day when I went to the class, um, they asked, did anybody have a dream? And my dream was, um, I was at the ocean, had my, I guess my kids, it's kind of foggy, it was a long time ago, had my kids with me, and we got into this helicopter, and... 
when we were in the helicopter, it was doing whoever was flying it. It wasn't me. I don't know. It was maybe the, sim, sim, symbolically the leader. Anyway, the helicopter was doing all these crazy things like flips and dives, like things helicopters don't do, right? Or they crash. Um, and then all of a sudden in the dream, I realized that my youngest son, I, I left him behind. Like I, I was freaking out like, oh my God, you know, we're at the ocean. So when the helicopter landed, I, I jumped out and there my son was floating on the water. And I, I ran over and I grabbed him up by his heels and I, I just spoke, you will live in the name of Jesus Christ. And he, and he woke up, he, he came to life. So I think um, there's a significance too also in that fact that you're taking this vehicle and you're, you're doing things with it that in the natural don't happen. So, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Turd Island does refer to the continent of North America. Okay, this keeps on going. Janie said to look up this word, turn turtle. Turn turtle, chiefly of a boat that capsizes. That, to put it into a sentence, the other boat nearly turned turtle several times. Okay, I need help now. What is going on? What is going on in here? Okay, I'm turning turtle myself. I'm going to take me a minute to locate myself. The Lord said this morning, he said, you're going to come out of oblivion. Like you're not going to know which side's up or right or left. Or There it is. I have no idea where I'm at. Well, we're in Mills River. I know that much. <laughs> I just don't know what to say. Okay. <laughs> yep. <laughs> oh man. Uh, I think everything's going omnidirectional now. <laughs> okay, we got. Let's try this. That didn't work. That's what that's what Tom Gross says to do. Oh man, I can't locate. I can't. I can't get a fix. I'm sorry. Hold on. Yeah. All right. I'm located. This may sound really strange but I'm going to go ahead and launch out this way I did receive this from the Lord this morning I thought no one's going to understand a word I'm saying but I'm going to go for it because he had put this or expressed this into me a couple years ago as the prologue of the final frontier welcome to the final frontier 
I wrote this down and it's meant to go into a book. We'll see if it's ever published, but if you can, and thank you, Holy Spirit, bear with this. Daft, resplendent. What makes us who we are? Maybe it's a little bit of both. It takes courage to embrace them simultaneously. We're teetering on the edge of madness and extravagance. We are the humankind. From the beginning, and please bear with these words because I heard them out of heaven, but I don't necessarily know what, what I'm saying or what I mean. But from the beginning of the Marquis de Don to the industrialization of empire, we have strived as a people for impeccability, a functional subconscious of the evermore. We are synchronous beings of light. Whether we know it or not, we are dedicated to the ultimate transformation, the final frontier. It's the new symposium with incalculable odds. There is no presupposition for frontier in our minds, but maybe it's in our hearts. You may be asking, what do you mean? And what are you talking about? I would say to you, I see exactly what you mean, and I give notice or voice to exactly what you don't mean. We have set out to ponder the unfathomable. And it is precisely because you can't understand me right now that maybe you should put this book down and stop reading it because you will be swept into a black hole. Don't come here overly pragmatic. You're going to be disappointed and swallowed up by the well of Opjanu. I'm a nonsensical star tracker. Well, let us proceed then. It's time to advance out of the brule. The brule there is, I believe I found out later on, it was a German word for the swamp. I did not know a final frontier as such. My personal recollection can only be from the eternal. I have trodden the cusp, attempting to placate the verge. What is the core of our feature? Is it anti-gravitational? It must be in flux or neospin. What would you think if you could reconfigure a human? If there was a design flaw, wouldn't you want to take it out and replace it with the latest technology? I think this concept may seem strange to many of us. Most of us live our lives working to finish a place so that we can rest. We're building upon a nebulous of time step phenomenons. We've in superimposed rigidity on preconceived structures onto what we consider reality. How could I alter precognition? We're limited by the doomsday fanatics of incapacity and they're unconscious of their own surrounding. They know nothing of the final frontier for they reminisce on hopelessness. Maybe we should place the global consciousness in a laboratory of seven fractal light and build a new original. You know as well as I do that that's a fantasy concept and it's even delusional at best. Well, what about a cross-pollination of forms of dark matter? 
we could seize upon it then the basis of uncreated space. And then while I'm writing this, out of the void, I hear this voice. Render the blank slate, I am architect. And I was in myself and now I'm outside myself. And I'm sure you're thinking like I'm thinking. Who is this speaking? I've went through 110 rounds of insanity. Who are you? And this is what I heard him say. I am the apogee. I'm the morning dawn treader. I'm the fabric weaver. I pioneered the subcortical lobe. That's your innate disk drive. And then my speech switches. As kids in sun, sunny North Lincolnshire, England, we used to say to friends, lend me your trader, meaning lend me your bike. You tread on the pedals to make it go. Colossians 1.15. He is the image of the invisible God. He's the firstborn over all creation. For all things in heaven and on earth were created by him. All things. Whether visible or invisible. Whether thrones or dominions. Whether principalities or powers. All things were created through him. And for him. He himself is before all things. And all things hold together in him. Paul will use this language in him 127 times that I may be found in him. He's the head of the body. He's the church. He's the beginning. He's firstborn from the dead so that he himself may be become first in all things. I like the text I was reading this week in the Hebrew that he is the one who is preeminent. He's preeminent above all and all things, whether it be the throne, the dominion, the powers, the rulers. He's the preeminent one. And God was pleased to have all the fullness of the Godhead dwell in his son. And through him to reconcile all things to himself by making peace through the blood of his cross, through him. Whether things on earth or things in the heavens. And you have been a stranger to final frontier. We've all been sort of on the outside. You heard in my uh, writing. We've placated the verge. We've been on the cusp. We've sat on the edge of this thing and we've been looking in. We've been looking in for 2,000 years. The apostolic voice, the prophetic voice, the evangelistic, the pastor teacher. Most of us have been observers from the outside looking into the flame that burns in the third person of the Godhead and the whole Trinity itself. But we've been extrapolating light, but have we been in the light?
We've been in an extrapolation process. But see, final frontier is that he himself, uh, Christ, would enter into us in the fullness of who he is. And this would be the greatest mystery, the greatest display in the end of the age was that Christ was not Jesus' last name, but this Christos reality would dwell fully in us, the end time church. That he would have his full entire Christology, his full entire dazzling self, the one who is chief among 10,000, would dwell in us fully. And that the fullness of the Godhead bodily would be in us. It doesn't do Jesus any recognition or preeminence in the fact that he has attained unto this himself uh, for us by shedding his uh, blood at the cross. That we would have his full reality of his full body in complete fullness taking up our entire matter space of our human self with himself. This this thing that we've done that we have said that there would be 5% salvation and we sort of marked it out. I was saved in dot 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 and the Lord saved me and That's my testimony, and I'll live life like ever I want. No. The Lord didn't save you to put 5% of his self in you. He saved you to give his whole entire self to you, his whole entire Christos self, and to anoint you and to put his whole entire sense of his Messiah, Mashiach nature within inside of you to the full capacity of it. And who could ever even conceive of such a thing? The transhumanists are trying to. The AI guys are trying to. You're watching Marvel. Some of you are in DC Comics. And they're attempting at it. Our whole entire culture is bent on this. They just don't know what they're looking for. And his name is the man Jesus. And he has everything. He is everything. And so now he, it says in 22, he is reconciling you by his physical body through death to present you holy without blemish and completely blameless before him. And then we see the biggest caveat here that we do not want to hear maybe, but he says, if indeed you remain in the faith. Established and firm, without shifting. Uh, Hebrews twelve. You know what can be shaken? What? But 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 there is a place where you can't be shook. There is a place of standing firm. There is a place that your knower knows. There's a place where you cross through barrier, and then you're not placating the verge or a cusp anymore. He's dove right into your mortal frame. This is final frontier. God's going to have a, a people with their own prosopon, their own sense of persona, but they're going to be fully indwelt with Christ. Oh man, this achievement of Jesus is unreal. There's no psychology, there's no philosophy, there's no anthropology, there's nothing that can compare to this. This message 
at the end of this age is the greatest. Sometimes I, I had to deal with, am I a narcissist? Am I a megalomaniac? Have I went over the edge? Have I made this too big, Lord? What you're telling me? That you wanted to put your full entire self into us and give us a full upgrade? I mean, to the penultimate level that we would have all of what you have. You're the uncreated God. You're going to give us all of yourself? Yes. Why do you think that text is you're reading all the time? Why do you think Paul's like, man, if I could be found in him, where's he at? I'll go to a cave. I'll go to a cathedral. I'll go to a closet. I'll go to a castle. I don't care. Tell me where my beloved is. I won't final frontier. The glorification of man. And it pleases the Father and is the only thing that gives real honor to the man Jesus who's retained in the heavens until the restoration of all things that we look like him. <laughs> that your soul has all of Christ. And then like I said a few weeks ago and I thought it came out of my mouth that when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Well, they said that was blasphemy. Well, it'll be said in the same time. Because he'll make us one just as he is one. And we will not be able to be one where Christ is not in us. But hey, we're on a trajectory right now, a pioneering initiative for this thing to culminate in the Lord's return that we would look just like it. And that forever his full Christology would be installed on our soul. I've been shifting around. Yep. When he tells me to move out in faith, I don't know how we're going to do this or it's going to make a lick of sense, right? I found that there was blemishes in my nature. Uh, did you? Oh, I think it was just me. I found that there was something that wasn't exactly right. I didn't find myself completely blameless before him. But why would he say something like this if it can't be achieved that he's not already achieved it for us? He's achieved a testimony that you would have no blame. He has achieved a testimony that you would be without blemish. Not 5% without blemish, but completely made whole. That you would not shift as the sand do, but you would be stabilized in him. This is the hope that comes from the gospel which you have heard preached to you. It's also been preached in all creation, he says, under heaven. And I, Paul, have become a servant to this message. I'm rejoicing in the sufferings that are for you because he says this word here, and I feel up in my physical body for the sake of his body, the church, what is lacking in the suffering of Christ. Paul had accepted a certain form of affliction and suffering in his own life because in some way, out of the filling up in his physical body of that suffering in his body, what was lacking in the church in his day would manifest itself. I believe in his teaching and his preaching that he will do. There wasn't any kind of way around it. Let's go to um, Hebrews chapter 6. When we speak of final frontier, 
Let us also see how Final Frontier operates. How does Final Frontier operate? Uh, years ago, the Holy Spirit, he started to teach me 10 aspects, seven aspects of priesthood, three aspects of royalty. And he said to me, he's like, I want you to take Hebrews 1 through 6, and you're going to see six aspects of priesthood, of development, of human development as it relates to me. When you look at chapter 7, that's going to be high priesthood. And then I'm going to help you to understand 8, 9, and 10 of Hebrews will be uh, royalty. Because I mean to, um, you know, and y'all have heard this a lot, but in the Melchizedek, Melchizedek, king of righteousness, I'm going to, uh, you're going to rotate or come through in your development after the Lord saves you through these aspects of priesthood. You'll come up to a high priestly training and then that'll prepare you for royal priesthood. And uh, if, if you get into the, uh, my podcasting and things, I have a lot of material on this. I have notes on it, extensive amounts of notes uh, related to this process. And, um, and when we look at the beginning of Hebrews 6, and again, if you want to go in and dig more into this, go into the podcast playlist called Final Frontier. I have a couple uh, messages in that in the Galactic Progeny podcast under Final Frontier, but he puts this on me today. I really want you to go through this, son, this morning. I said, okay. So in, in verse one here to lay a simple foundation, he says, therefore, we must progress beyond. There's a progress beyond, and he says, the elementary instructions about Christ, if we're going to move on to maturity, so if we're going to go on to maturity, and he's going to lay out these aspects that we must go on from. Now, it's going to say in verse 4, and this is a very key point, if God permits. Because, and I, I don't know if a lot of people like this or understand this, but the Lord has set in an exclusion clause. Because a lot of people believe, and I brought this out last week, on the right-based side, an over-realized reward, that everything that has tried, Jesus has purchased for me is all mine right now, and there's nothing more that I need to engage with with God, and that's an over-realized right-based reward way. Now, if you're going to access inheritance... And because this is very much about this, you don't want to have an over-realized thing in your mind that everything that's been paid for is mine. And so what happens is, and what that's turned into, is a very doctrinal era. But what it's turned into is what we've termed the frozen chosen. Why? Because an over-realized reward system or mindset of inheritance will tell you well, this thing's done. I can kind of pull back and go on easy street. I'm riding this thing out until the Lord comes back. And so we'll preach good doctrine. Those guys, they'll preach good doctrine. But the reason why it becomes a doctrine of men is because it's not being run by the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit would not have you to have an over-realized reward-based system. 
He would say that I want you to partner with me in your sanctification. Yes, have you been justified freely by the sovereign act of God? The left side, the Arminian side needs to hear that, but the right side needs to hear, well, the left needs to hear, we're not, I'm not holding you over hell, I saved you. So it's an over-realized retribution. On the right, it's an over-realized reward. And on the left, you need the fear of the Lord, not being afraid he's going to throw you into the lake of fire. And on the right, you need to realize that you have a partnership with God in relating with him to the inheritance that's been reserved for you in God, Romans 8, 17, that you can access in Christ. And I, I share with you this a few weeks ago that if this building here was your safety deposit box, it's probably bigger than that. The inheritance that you have that has been purchased for you in God at your justification can be accessed in your sanctification by a relationship with him. And the doctrine of men on both sides of the Arminian and the Reform camp, one having an over-realized punitive aspect or retribution to other one, over-realized reward. And in both ways, they've not brought us into the way to access the kingdom of heaven. They've been trapping up people and they've been missing how to take what Jesus is going to say. Repent and believe the gospel. The kingdom of heaven is what? There's access for you in the kingdom right now. Your inheritance has been purchased with God, but in Christ you'll move into your inheritance. So again, if I have an overly conscious understanding of retribution, it's going to cause me to see myself in a guilt-based way, trying to fix myself all the time. I got to get something else right. I, I wish I could get this thing right in my character. You're going to miss the Lord in that. If I have an overly conscious self of, well, I deserve everything, a sense of entitlement, he's going to give me everything, I don't need to do anything relate with God, you're going to miss the kingdom of heaven. You're not going to know how to go on through. And I, I implore you to go to, if you can, go to Tom's meeting on a Thursday night at Families First and allow him to teach you to expand and extrapolate the kingdom of heaven in a, a robust way, more than I can do in my preaching up here uh, this morning because he will and he's received the word of the Lord on this. But in my duty this morning before you is he's saying here we must go on beyond the elementary teachings. But then we must go on and we know we must go on if God permits. And why? And uh, many of you I'm sure have, they used to call them church hoppers. I've, I've started to get a softer version of that. I felt like the Lord said, no, I'm leading my bride around different teaching." To mature them in different ways. I took you to a salvation message. I, I, probably all of us. Maybe some of us. We went to a salvation message right away. You'll go into that and listen to what he says. Not laying again, what? Repentance from dead words. You, you may have went and heard the word of faith movement. Of faith 
in God. We heard that message, and then you heard the message about the teaching of baptism. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Ritual washings, cleansing, the holiness movement. You know this? Being inner healing, laying on of hand. Anybody been with the impartation, guys? You been to the impartation conference? The laying on of hands? It's right there. Elementary. Foundational. Yes, foundational, elementary, nevertheless. Wait, how could the holiness movement, how could the salvation movement, how could the repentance, how could the, the faith movement, these things are pretty, how can the impartation movement, you mean to tell me that all this is foundational and elementary? Uh, yep. Hey, listen to this one, resurrection of the dead. The resurrection movement. Um, are you going to rise from the dead one day? Elementary, my dear Watson. You're going to put on a different body? He goes on here, he says, and eternal judgment. The, es the great eschatology movements. The eschatological word of the end times. Hey, I want you to go on with me. And I, I would say this. Because years ago, he said, this will be your task to teach my people how to go on. And I said, okay. Because we're going on all the way to glorification. So these are foundation. So what do we do? We don't say, well, that circle over there and that camp over there, they don't have a message from the Lord. Well, they probably do. There, there's something in this foundation in priesthood must be laid in you. you, you many of you have went through the inner healing. You've been through the faith movement. You've been through the, uh, the eternal judgment. You've been through the re resurrection movement. You've been through the salvation message. You've heard the holiness and sanctification message. But the Lord would implore us, call for us and say, come in to cross over into the kingdom of heaven. Now, I'm, I'm wanting you to come into not just priesthood, no, not just Caiaphas or Annas as one high priest. I'm going to make me a whole company of high priests. But you know what the quality of high priesthood is? That someone can do something so offensive, and it doesn't like affect your uh, natural disposition. You know, that's how Caiaphas knew he... When he blew hot at Jesus, he knew when he lost his disposition that he couldn't prove it logically. That man knew that some greater man was right in front of him. As you learn this in leadership. But those of us who've led, if another person can like throw you, you know something's off in you. And high priesthood training is like that. It's like you could do everything that's not right and, and it would offend all my sensibility and I'm unaffected by it because all that comes out of me is God's love and the truth. But it doesn't affect me. It doesn't take me and spin me out of, put me into a cyclical thing. When Caiaphas heard that man say, you say so, he saw a king priest. He had just come up against true royalty. Caiaphas had topped out in his profession and met a man that was better than him. It's offensive. 
Jesus is very offensive. He had blend the offices of king and priest, the highest man in that nation at the time, in the Sanhedrin. 32 years of four eight-year terms he had served. The Sanhedrin, seven, 69 of them, were saying there's not a better man than us, than that man Caiaphas. When it comes to adjudicating the law, no one does better than him. He knows how to get a double or triple witness. He's perfect in his law-based ability. He was the best lawyer of his day because the Lord, the Father, wouldn't have the Son be arraigned next to a guy who wasn't the best judge there was of character and disposition and everything. He could know it like the back of his hand. And he had just met the man who was the complete fulfillment of all the prophetic unction and the law. <laughs> there was nothing to prove. I was asking the Lord this week, I said, you know, how does this work? And he, and he tells me, as I was sharing it with a couple of guys this morning, because we're going to talk about how do we engage with Final Frontier in the reshaping of our own consciousness and our soul? How do we move across a barrier of space-time, extract out of that the nature of Christ and bring it back into ourselves and be completely made new? Well, there's the methodology is actually written in Hebrews 6 because the writer of Hebrews knew that you can't advance into Hebrews 7 high priesthood. Far be it, you cannot advance into royal priesthood unless you get the uh, mechanistic uh, model. Now, you say, oh, Carol, don't say mechanism. I'm not a machine. No, you're not. You're not a machine. That's true. But there is something to be learned here in the word of God that gives us the modeling for receiving promise and how to access the kingdom of heaven, cross the barrier, and bring heaven back to earth. There is a way, and it's right here in the text. So I'm going to skip through the middle portion, listen to the, to the podcast, and then hear, hear out this, this latter portion on how to access the kingdom of heaven by the hand. Uh, interesting, last week I didn't know this, but our Joseph and our Mints, the McManuses, his name means son of the hand. And just so you know, the Song of Solomon passages that we're going through on the Christology and anthropology last week was his hand is. <laughs> Anyways, if if you don't understand that, ask me. I'll send you a picture. <laughs> the kingdom of heaven is at what? The kingdom of heaven is at what? It's right within your reach right now. Right now. Right now. Right now. Uh, my kids ask me, well, what's it going to be like going to heaven? I said, heaven's right here. What, Daddy. You can access heaven right now. We were singing into by and by years ago because we had this big distance between heaven and earth. But as the days grow closer, heaven always has been here. I can't see it. Listen, listen to what he says. I like this because some people get offended at him. Verse 10, God's not unjust to forget your work and your love. You've demonstrated for his name. 
and having served and continuing to serve the saints. Listen, listen now. If you're going to advance in God's work and in his kingdom, you're going to serve. Now let's just go ahead and get that down. You're going to be in service some way. I don't know what way he's going to tell you to serve. It could be, it could be at home serving the little saints. <laughs> you know? It could be at your job, your vocation. You're under an assignment of service. It's going to happen. It could be ministry. It could be business. It could be at home. It could be, I don't know, somewhere. But you're under an assignment. God's tasked you with something. I don't know that I know for every one of you what it is. It's not our place to say it's your call that's on your life right now. It's really important to see this because he's saying, God doesn't forget what you're doing. He's not unjust to forget your work. He sees what you're doing. And the love that you're demonstrating for his name in serving others. And that you're continuing to serve the saints. But then he says, and, and you might ask yourself like I did, but... But what? But we passionately want each of you to demonstrate the same eagerness for the fulfillment of your hope until the end. What? Um, when we were going through the uh, reading, uh, living in the house of Tom Bombadil, C.R. Wiley made this very important, I thought, distinguishing point because he said that we do need to love others for their own sake when it does us nothing for our own sake. Uh, say it another way, we should love others if we don't extract any kind of benefit from it. There, some of you are really good at that. I have a wife that's amazing at that, has modeled that for me. I've not been so good at that. I'll tell you what I've been better at. <laughs> Loving myself for my own sake. <laughs> Anyways, it's supposed to be funny. Some of us, we've learned, and what does he say here? God doesn't forget that you're working, serving the saints, and loving others for their own sake. You're giving of yourself for someone else when it doesn't necessarily relate back to something that will benefit you. The Lord sees that work, and he sees your love. And he wants you to know this, but it's really interesting to me because he goes on to this other thing and see how while he's going to say this, he says, but we passionately want each of you to demonstrate the same eagerness for the fulfillment of your own hope until the end. People have a real struggle with this. I haven't. <laughs> I've had a real passion for my own self. I have an eagerness to fulfill the hope that he put inside of me. I have. I still do. And God wants you to as well. It's okay to love who he loves you. It's okay for you to love yourself. The Bible even says that. How can a man love his wife if he doesn't love his own self? If he doesn't love his own self, he can't even love her. But some guys are like, well, I tried to do this for you, and I tried to do that for you. The Lord's like, you need to love yourself first. 
you really need to take care of you with me because you can't love her rightly if you don't first know that you're loved by me. There's a hope expectation I put in you. Let me tell you why it's important because our culture today is teaching us to hate that message. Our culture today is saying it has to be good for everybody in some way, but it can't be something that's right for me. And then you'd say, no, that's not true, Carol. Everybody's saying whatever's right for me. But the thing is here is where it starts at is with God. In the case of serving others for their own sake, you're serving it. Why? Because you're doing the work and the love that comes from him motivating you for others. But also here now, he's not saying just go love yourself for your own sake. He's saying love and passionately demonstrate the same eagerness for the hope he's placed in you, Kelly Manning. Because he has a word on your life. Uh, he has a word for you, Joe Palasak. He has a word for you, Tom McManus. He has a word for you. There's an, an eagerness to say, I have a hope that's been placed in me. I want to see it come to pass, and it's okay. Not all the time do you need to expend your whole entire energy for others. You need to take time for you and the Lord to eagerly hope in the word and the fulfillment of the word on your life. And we need to be patient with one another. So what are you doing over there? What are you doing? Are you not giving of yourself in some way so that it's better for everybody else around us? Hey, what are you doing over there? I'm wanting to demonstrate the same eagerness for fulfillment of the hope that he's put inside of me until this thing comes to the end. There's a fullness of fulfillment of reality in me that I want to see brought to completion. And so we need to be loving them one another in the sense of letting them and giving them time to do that, giving them a time out. Uh, growing up, uh, the kids growing up and things, are, it's not happened a lot, but I said, Kara, go put your feet up maybe twice. No, I'm just playing. <laughs> go put your feet up. I remember when the kids were really little and the house is all disorderly, and I told you, go in there and lay down on the bed and don't do anything. And of course, with saying that, you know, the workload, I'm going to saddle the workload. All of a sudden, I think Susanna, she starts washing the bottom of all the chairs in the house and the seats from top to bottom. She's going around just washing everything. They were cleaning everything. Her mother's in there laying down, and the kids just go full active. And I said, what in the world? Giving her time for herself didn't result in what I thought it would. I'm going to be saddled and I'm not even going to clean the bottom of the chairs. <laughs> Maybe I could hire somebody or something. I don't know. I'm just not doing it. And I didn't even know it needed to be done. By loving someone else for their own sake in the middle of them needing to seek God, the Lord will give grace for that. Go put your feet up or go give of yourself. Now ask the Holy Spirit to give you the wisdom because he's saying, next, I don't want you to be sluggish. 
Now people say, well, that's lazy. No, because the Lord's saying, I'm not calling you to be lazy. Um, when you seek the Lord, that is not a lazy thing. Let me tell you, I've worked since I can remember with my dad, rolling logs up over there in Edneyville up the side of the mountain. I can still remember doing that. I've worked, it's, it's, it's not, it's, it was easier for me to roll logs at five years old than it has been for me to seek the face of God. You know, you give me something to do that I get an output and I can see it done, I'll be right on it. It's a whole other thing when you can't see what's going on and you're just like, I'm waiting on you, Lord. There's no sluggishness at all in the seeking of the face of God. It takes all of your energy and all your attention to truly seek him. So he's not saying, I'm making a couch potato out of out of you, that's not what he's doing. And you might have felt that when you go to seek the Lord. Anybody else know what I'm saying? I'm gonna go seek the Lord and now I feel like I'm worthless. You ever felt that way? Well, he's not calling you to sluggishness. He's calling you in that place to be an imitator of those who faith and perseverance are, listen, inheriting promise. So here we go. You Ready? So when God wanted to make a promise to Abraham, he swore by it by no one greater, so he swore it by himself. Saying this, you're going to hear me today, hear this, surely I will bless you greatly. Did you hear that? Are you the seed of Abraham? Are you the offspring of Abraham? Are you not? Isn't that attested? Are you the offspring of Abraham? Well, Abraham's blessed in what? So are you. So he says, surely I'll bless you greatly. And multiply your descendants abundantly. Uh, God always gives two provisions. Land and seed and your inheritance. He gives seed, your descendants, I will multiply them abundantly. He'll give land or provision, I'll bless you greatly. He's the promise of the Lord. So it says, now listen, this is the part that a lot of us have trouble with, and so by persevering. Abraham inherited the promise. Again, how do I access the kingdom of heaven for promise and inherit? Well, I don't want you to forget. I don't want you to think I'm not paying attention to you when you go give of yourself to others or you're taking time out for yourself. I don't want you to forget that, that I forget that. Why, do you know why that's important? And you got to lay a foundation in this. Because have you ever went and gave of yourself for the service of others or seeking the face of God and you think that that's the very thing that's going to get you the promise? Hear me. I know right now that what I'm doing up here is not the way I inherit. Because we had this idea in ministry, business, uh, serving in the local family and things that that was the path, that was the inheritance. 
And we get real offended with the Lord real fast. He's like, I've been serving you. I've been doing what you say. I've been seeking your face. And I still haven't seen anything happen. Anybody know what I'm saying? Why? Because he needs to lay a solid foundation for this. Because it's not that. Because this is what you'll do. Stephen and I talked about this seven years ago. You'll be looking for the silver bullet based in earning. You'll be looking for something that I did that's going to merit this inheritance. If I did more, if I don't do more, if I do this, that's going to get me my inheritance. No, it's not. (laughs) That's not where your inheritance derives from. It's not from that service, and it's not from that. He sees it all, but he's not saying that's where your inheritance comes from. Because you know why? Do you know why it can't be that way? Because it's basing it back in you and a works-based righteousness. So what does he do? He says, don't think that by going and just seeking me all day long or, which is fine, go seek him. Don't think that by going and serving others that you're going to get your inheritance that way. Oh, come on now. Why? Because I don't want you to try to earn an inheritance. I paid for it this is so important to your consciousness because you will think I'm earning an inheritance or I didn't earn one and the Lord isn't saying that in the text here he's saying that no one I made a promise to Abraham independent of Abraham I made a promise to Abraham on my own accord I made you a promise because of me. I didn't make you a promise because of you or what you would do or don't do. I made a promise because I made you a promise. And this is so important. Because we'll think it's because I ran or because I willed it. And it's not. It's because of him. And he has to have it this way. Because you and I go around telling everybody about how amazing we are. I worked for the Lord. I served the Lord. I did all these things for the Lord. And look what he did for me. And the Lord's like, that is a false gospel. That's not the gospel I want to preach. The gospel I want to preach is, it's all been fulfilled in me. It's finished. I want you to enter into that. How do we do that? Well, first, after we've laid a foundation that it's not for my earning or lack of earning, so we're going to set that aside. It's not because I willed it or ran for it. It's not because of that. Okay, I'm going to set that aside. Now I'm going to say, oh, it's because of you. Oh, yes, I've been waiting on you to get to this place. And I want it to be based in my word to you. Surely I'm going to bless you greatly. Sure sure as the day is long and I'm going to multiply your descendants. Done deal. And Abraham's like, that message is so hard to believe. I can't hardly believe it. It's too good to be true. There was this guy that came here a number of weeks ago. He was staying up at mom and dad's place. I think his name was Chris or something. We finished the event. He comes up at the end. He's been uh, helping manage golf courses. Things. Chris comes up to me. He said, Carol, I grew up in deep down in South Georgia down there. 
Heard your message today. I really liked it a lot in one sense. I said, well, Chris, tell me about it. He said, well, the way I look at things, my daddy taught me to plant three rows. And he had planted three rows. And we get, I mean, we get the byproduct of our hard work. He said, the only thing I heard today was is Jesus had planted all six rows. He said, I can't hardly believe it. I said, you heard that in the preaching today? He said, yeah, it's hard for me to accept a message like that. I feel like if I don't muster up and do something for God, that God is going to be displeased with me and he don't like me. It's so hard to believe. And I said, oh, thank God the gospel was being preached. Now, he struggled with that word, but at least he was honest as a Dickens, as dad says. He said the truth. I thought that I had to put my own effort into this. And if I didn't, if I didn't put my own self into it, God's not going to meet me with his self. Now, how many of you have heard that your whole entire life? And yet that's not what the text says. I have had more blessing in my life from literally doing nothing than I have from trying to get approval and attention from God. I literally, I, I could tell you hundreds of times, to just come and spend time with me, son. Next thing you know, everything I was concerned about is taken care of. God wants you to enter into rest in him, to trust him fully in the finished work of the cross. Saying, surely I'll bless you, so he perseveres. What? He perseveres in believing that message. Because, boy, that thing's antithetical to the world system. Uh, pull yourself up by the bootstraps, young man. You're never going to be a, worth a lick if you don't get busy with something. We've heard it all. And yet God, I think, would say, look at me. I want a relationship with you. Does God deny work? No. No. He just, inc he just multiplies it. <laughs> he just makes it better. Well, I was, was going to make 10 on that and made 100. He takes the work of your hands and it, he turns in a good way. It becomes like the Midas touch. Um, and so this is how he does it. For God swore by something greater than themselves and the oath serves as a confirmation to end all dispute. Hear me, hear me. The promise will come first from the Lord to you. And then comes the oath. What is the oath? It is standing on that promise and not being moved no matter what your outward circumstance is telling you. No matter if you can earn it or not. And you do not move off of the word of the Lord. You said, Lord, surely I'll bless you. Surely I'll do this. You gave me a promise. And by an oath, it will be delivered. Uh, some of us have spent years not even knowing that. There were, Stephen told me this other day. I didn't even know we had all these promises. <laughs> we didn't even know what our uh, package plan was. It's pretty amazing, actually. You got to be kidding me, this promise. And so he gives you a promise. And then comes 
Then I would, I would suggest this. Oath works like this, sort of like backing yourself into a corner. And we've been so afraid to do this. I, I'll, I'll admit, I had an experience this week with it at the oil, oil change on our vehicle. I go down there and I'm reading all these passages that the Lord's preparing me for today. And I didn't have what I needed to deliver on that oil change and I had been told that it was covered. But then I, right while I'm sitting there and I'm reading all these passages, I get a bill for $400, $396 or something for an oil change. I got to tell you, I've never paid that much for oil change in my life. I mean, I would never do that actually either. And I was like, man, these guys, what are they doing? <laughs> I'm sitting there and the Lord said, you trust me. I told you it'd be by the signature of your hand. I said, I know, but I, I was like, it's showing up on, they're giving me a bill. It was sent to my text on my phone. I said, oh no, because I had $35 in my name. That was it. I'm like, that's 10 times what I have. I was backed into a corner. I'm going to tell you, I received a promise from the father. And would the Lord provide right after that? Yeah, he'll do all kinds of things. I never know though. I'm always in this situation. It's, it's been wonderful actually. I would highly suggest it because you'll get to know him. You're backed into corners. You can't get out. You're, I don't know what I'm going to do. And then he'll, man, he, he teaches you. He performs. I go over there and there comes Levi. He's going to deliver the vehicle because they have like their own like valet thing there. I'm so, wow. I have never experienced this kind of thing, you know, with people. I'm in a whole different environment I've never been in before. Levi comes up. He said, Mr. Moffat, your vehicle's ready. I looked down at the paper. I said, what is it going to take to cover this? He said, just sign your name. The Lord, we just step out on a promise and believe. Back yourself into a corner that you do not know. He's the fulfillment of the whole law. And I said, Lord, how's this work? He said this to me. He said, am I not the fulfillment of the prophetic promise and the fulfillment of the oath, the law? Because he said that, right? You remember this? He said, I didn't come to destroy the prophetic and the law. I am the fulfillment. We get forlorn. The disciples did. Peter's like, man, the Lord left us and everything. I'm going back to fishing. The Lord don't mind Peter fishing. Fishing all night. Catch anything. And there's the Lord on the shore. And by the word of the Lord, cast your net on the other side. You know what side was? The right side. Because at his right hand are pleasures forevermore. And with his right hand and with all of them, they throw that net down in the water, 153 fish caught. Well, that's probably better than the none they got fishing all night. Well, you should have went to a better watering hole. He didn't tell him to go to a better watering hole. He was close to the shore. Is that where a big school of fish is at normally? I don't think so. Why? He stepped into the kingdom of heaven and pulled out an abundant out from the kingdom of heaven into his 
boat. And you know what happens? That man went home and paid all his bills and took care of his wife and kids and probably gave a bunch to his buddies. He had more than enough because the kingdom of heaven is like that. Surely I'll multiply you and bless you. What's, the, what's been the problem then? The Lord said, you struggled. Now you believe me in the prophetic. Now believe me in the oath. What? He said, well, many of you have been covenant violators. But I'm not. Oh, man. Get a hold of that one. I'm not a covenant violator. All the law has been fulfilled in me. I'm not breaking one law. I am the very fulfillment of the law. Now access the kingdom. Now, do you believe me? I'm struggling, Lord. Do you trust me? I'm struggling, Lord. I give you the prophetic vision, the left hand. He might grab a hold of me, the right hand. I want to give you, by a promise and an oath, what? Do you see it in the text, Hebrews 6? This is the methodology. Because God wants to demonstrate to you the heirs of promise. That his purpose is unchangeable. And he intervened it with an oath. So that you who have found refuge in him may find strong encouragement to hold fast. I remember Karen and I, we've been down to like pennies, down to our last cup of coffee. I say, wait for him. Oh, wait for him. Wait for him. He's coming through. Kids got a birthday party tomorrow. We don't know how we're going to cover it. Comes through. Every time. Trust him. Let's all stand together. Because you can have an inheritance based out of what you do. But someone said, well, I can get greatness based out of what I do. Well, yeah, you can. But I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. It's all going to burn when you stand before him. You want this precious inheritance? What about relationships? I can't solve this relationship issue. It's not, it doesn't just have to be financial, health, whatever. I'm coming up to you, believing you, Lord. I'm trusting you. And the Lord wants you to. He says, I want you to find strong encouragement to hold fast in your hope. Because it's been set before you right now to choose this day whom you will serve. Well, I've been working hard for the Lord. But he's not saying stop doing things for him. But he's saying that's not the way this is going to come about. And now we have this hope as an anchor of the soul that is sure and steadfast, which reaches in behind the curtain. I, I learned that that veil is literally all around us right now. And yet, when you begin to see, you can just access through the veil. Where Jesus, our forerunner, has entered in on our behalf and become a priest forever out of the order of Melchizedek. What happens here is, and what should have happened to me is, I'm not going to be repressed, and I'm not going to be oppressed, and I'm not going to be depressed. 
at the point of the oaths of being delivered? No. And I'm not going to say if I would have done more, if I'd have thought more, if I could have put this thought together better and I'd have got all this stuff lined up. Why did I go down there to the Lexus dealership to do this? No, I'm not going to say any of that. I'm, what I'm going to say is rejoice. What, what's going to happen is what Jeff said. I'm going to say rejoice. Because the promise of God's inheritance it's already been covered. I'm going to pay for everything because I already did. You see it? Do you see it? Not by works of righteousness or the lack thereof, but by Him. But by Him. I want to see this relationship come off. By Him. I can't bring it about. There's too many things stacked against me. Who knows if you just go through with the Lord. I've had this healing issue my whole life. I can't get, how am I going to just grab hold of the hem of the garment? The one who's paid for everything is paid for. It's done. I trust you, Lord, that you're the prophetic fulfillment. That's my promise. I trust you also that you are the law of my oath fulfillment. You see it? It's all fulfilled in him. Now, promise, oath, pull. Pull heaven into earth. Pull heaven into earth. Access the kingdom. The kingdom that is all around you. Access it by the hand. By the two-leaved gate. And out will come forth the treasures out of darkness. There's treasures in that hill, the hill of Zion. Jericho came down. That's how they access the kingdom corporately. That's what's going on in these events for this nation that we're experiencing in the worship set that Stephen's singing about Jericho. You know what's happening? We're accessing the kingdom on behalf of Turtle Island. Yes, we're accessing the kingdom that can shift this whole entire nation. Okay, national issues, that's a big deal. But our local individual family issues, the local church issues, the local governmental issues, national issues, accessing the kingdom. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Surely I will bless you, says the Lord. Surely I will multiply you, says the Lord. It's not because of your pedigree. It's not because you've been in some kind of line of succession. No, I tell you of the truth. It's because of the indestructible one. It's because of the priesthood of our Lord. It's because of this indestructible priesthood, the indestructible word of the Lord. I access now.
I'm not backing off the promise that he placed in my heart. I'm not going to add anything to it or take it away. I have a promise from the Lord and I'm going to hold the line on it. You see, don't let go of that precious promise that he gave you. You see it? there I felt I felt it so many times shame tries to cover your head your enemy's there to taunt you he's there to tell you this will never come off who do you think you are I've heard it all I'll tell you something I've learned I'm not saying I got it all nailed down all the time it shakes me down I can see one who delights over me the Lord would rather you run in faith than draw back in fear he would rather you take courage. And no matter what you think the outcome will be, he will be there with you every time. I have never seen him not be there. I just realized with my reserve, I had a, he had a greater reserve than I did. Just press into the kingdom of heaven. And in that way you're made holy and righteous. You're made like him. So that's what it says in Peter. It's by believing these precious promises that you receive the divine nature. Do you see it? You can't be made holy the other way by earning it or not earning it. You must take hold of the promise that God has put in you. And in that way, you receive the divine nature. Do you see? You cannot be sanctified apart from this. This message of promise and oath and pulling in the heavens. Your sanctification is only a byproduct of this message. You see why, how important it is to the Lord that you access the kingdom of heaven. You will not become more righteous any other way. You will not become more righteous because you reformed your character or didn't reform it. You will not. You become more righteous like him by believing the precious promise. And every time there will be a divine interchange, a divine nature will install inside of you, just like right now, because you're believing this report and this message, and you receive him now into your inner parts. This is the path to the glorified man. This is the final frontier. I've been on the cusp too long. I've been on the verge. It's time to jump, jump in. Just leap off and fly. Oh, remnant of God. Who knows what he has prepared for you? path 
to veneration, the only path to the venerable. The only path to the royal priesthood is the one that's been described to you this day. The only path to taking on the divine nature is this path. You will not be able to sidestep around it. You must enter in. And I'm going to tell you how important it is. And again, McManus's study goes over this. It is so important because you don't want to stand before him at the JSOC, the judgment seat of Christ, because you will have to burn up that which is not like him. It's very important. This message is very important because God will have you blameless and without blemish. Have you ever, in the midst of a dream, felt like fabric against your face? Well, it's a recurrent phenomenon, but in my dreaming. But the Lord is, uh, as we were praying today, He's 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 showing, and we probably heard that when the priest would come up to the veil in the Holy of Holies, and that He'd be moved through into the Holy of Holies once a year. But the Lord has brought us up to the veil and we are on the cross because we present ourselves as a living sacrifice and that's a daily invitation so as we are before him so as we're praying he's showing me the blackness that you were referring to and then I saw this have you ever pulled on fabric and it starts to uh, like pop the threads and you know it's going to rip and it's just like I could just feel the pressure of his hands ripping. He was just saying, this is the flesh of my bride. I'm tearing her open. And as he did it, I could see this blue fabric and this red fabric. And I saw that we were just veiled in these luscious light. And then, and then when we were moving through, we were standing into the fullness in the midst of the Holy of Holies. And I just, uh, as Carol is inviting us to own this, this is the clothing of Christ. This is the veil of his flesh open for us to enter in through. When we move through the thickness of our own flesh, we come into the substance of Christ veiling us. I just, I just agree. I just, uh, so I just, I can only offer just when you stand in the midst of worship, just feel yourself coming up to that black mess that you can't pass through because it's yourself. You don't die voluntarily unless you want to die voluntarily. Be clothed with light. Come on through the cross. To a resurrected man who is ascended, seated at the right hand of the Father, filled with radiant light. The gospel of Jesus Christ by death, burial, resurrection, and ascension. Oh, we love you, Lord. Yes, Lord. May the Lord bless you. And may the Lord keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And may you have peace. Amen. Bless you today.
I'm destined to wear white And my chest is full of hope And a dress and veil as snow And he said he'd come for me He'd know when I'm my heart is aching for the coming of the Lord. I must get ready now. I must get ready now. I must get ready desire 